Thank you once again, precious people, for being here. My message literally is what many people will face after the lockdown is lifted. A few nights ago, as uh, I was uh, basically preparing for what would be today's program, uh, that was very much in my thoughts because I've been doing this for the last uh, few weeks. And then suddenly, morning, I just felt something is happening because a little dream that basically talks about a prison break and people are very upset, people are upset with God. This is something that I said, that is very strange. And then I realized many at times things like this happen after we have experienced something very negative in our lives. And even events and epoch in the life of uh, the, and the history of the nation proves that uh, after some event or the other always happens after De a decade or two, things begin to happen. You remember the 60s, and that was basically anti-war time. People were very upset about it. And then comes about people from the anti-war, and I believe it was totally right, we shouldn't have been in Vietnam at that time. But however, let me just say this, it was become anti-establishment, and then the powers there be had a way of changing it to anti-establishment, anti-church. But what is so sad, is then comes out God is dead movement. Where did anti-war come to be anti-God? Because even theologians began to talk about God is dead. And for those of you who remember and kept in touch with the 60s, all of this anti-war movement, which basically was justified, suddenly moved into theological. Even folks in the theological institutions were saying God is dead. Very interesting because the anti-war street basically has to do with the inequality. But the powers there be suddenly changed the whole thing and it was anti-establishment and gone into a lot of other focus. Simply it goes into what would be ultimately everyone in the political world, in the religious world, even including uh, things that power be in the commercial world, moves it into what would be, blame it on God. I want you to understand what we have gone through is not the mistake of God. Whoever created this pandemic has always been what would be the acts of men and not the acts of God. And there's been a lockdown. But what I felt so strong was even as we came out, instead of questioning why, like for example, the 60s, why war? The very people, rightly, who opposed the war at that point, when they got into power, they never opposed war. In fact, some of the great men in the past that opposed it were in the power that went into war with other nations around. So this never changed. The anti-war never moved away from this nation. It doesn't matter who you give power to, the Republicans or the Democrats, there will always be war. So what was the anti-war about? So this feeling of what happened, why are we down, it'll never come to fruition. Whether it be in Wuhan or whether it be in America, or whether it be in anywhere, that won't be the problem. They will escape this fact, and before you know it, the media, the Hollywood included, will create movies with aspersion to God. Blame it on God. And then there would be addresses in the theological, God was sleeping when this happened. 
When people come out of this pandemic, and I know how tragic it has been to a lot of people, including precious people in the church. Now, of course, with this feeling circulating, which would be in the political, in the media, and all of the things that would be out there, suddenly the feeling, what happened? I followed the Lord. I praised him. I gave tithes. I was faithful. God, where are you? And suddenly it became not about anti-war, not about anti-social or anti-inequality. It'll be anti-God. And suddenly it's left for a few people to stand up and defend God, and God does not need defense. We do not carry an idol. God carries us. We don't need to be afraid that God would get totally dissolved in the water. That's not a statue we're talking about. Ours is the king, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, and he can defend himself. But I want you to understand the temperature will turn from what would be the acts of man to be translated into it was the act of God. Even people who are rank atheists will say it was the act of God. That will become the reflections of a lot of people in the church. My message begins with, are you offended at God? So an anti-war became, God is dead. How did it happen? When did it happen? The war never ceased, war will continue. It doesn't matter who holds the power. The very people who stand up and say anti-inequality, when they get into power, get more rich and more powerful, and then everyone else in the middle class, lower and upper middle class, will be paying the tax to increase the wealth of a few. I want you to understand, before it becomes an anti-God, and genuine Christians will be swayed by this, saying this pandemic is but what God did. Yes, it's understandable. Some people say God judged these people and those nations, but when it comes closer to God, why? What happened, Lord, to me? I want you to understand, my friend, when you take this subject offense, scandalous, or what would be code that is simply tragic when you think about the stumbling blocks the enemy uses, and scandalion simply means entrap, trapped into, and finally we get so upset. The Bible talks about a lot of godly people Everyone has gone through this situation, but how did they come out of that? I want you to understand, when you look into the Bible, some of God's choicest people have been offended by God. In their estimation, God should have, and God must have, and God certainly should have, but where was he? When you talk about David, in bringing the ark, and things didn't go the right, and and Uzziah was struck dead, and it was a total confusion. David was so afraid and offended. When you come to even Moses, he was offended. 
because things didn't work out and at one time he was so upset he struck the rock. Peter was offended when even Jesus, after a great revelation, Jesus said to Peter, when Peter said, blessed art thou, after rep replying, who are you? And then he says, get thee behind me, Satan. When you think the numbers of people that have been offended, godly people, and they all came out. But I want you to understand that the message this morning is so important because as you come out of the lockdown, suddenly you'll be gripped by feeling there'll be words, whether it be through the media, whether it be through all sorts and all forms, and Satan himself, blame it on God. The very act of what happened and how it happened would be forgotten to be totally interpreted or misinterpreted. It was all God's fault. And so the subject is so important because if we give way and it becomes continuous and if we don't be at peace with what the word of God says, it suddenly springs into something like everything else, lies, 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 suddenly the spirit of lies, pride, 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 which is common, suddenly becomes the spirit of pride. And this offense suddenly becomes, after a while, not suddenly, after a while, if we're not careful, becomes the spirit of offense. We're very offended, the evil spirit has taken over. So this is not simply of the flesh, it is transferred into a very powerful spirit, the spirit of offense. So this morning I want to talk about, are we offended at God, Skandalion? Now I want you to understand this, of all people, no one is more blessed or greater, I would say blessed than of all that is born of a woman, than John the Baptist. And yet when you turn to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 6, Jesus in response is saying, blessed is he who shall not be offended in me. The same thing is talked about in Luke chapter 7 and verse 23. Blessed is he that is not offended in me. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 7, offense will come. It doesn't matter what particular day, what particular morning, what after a great marvelous testimony and great, great uh, victory on Mount Carmel and then comes an offense and you're offended and you're angry with God. Or it could be like Jonah with a clear-cut call, with a clear-cut recovery from the sea and then sitting under that tree waiting for Nineveh to fall apart and was highly offended because it did not. He did what he was told to preach 40 days. Now this is the final day and now he's waiting for fire to fall upon Nineveh and he too was offended. I want you to realize my friend, of all people you won't find someone more greater from the words of our Lord Jesus Christ than John the Baptist. So if you go into basically the, our website, you can get all the notes in case you miss as I'm speaking right away. But let me just remind you, from we're reading from Matthew chapter 
11 verses 1 onwards, you can get the incident where here is John the Baptist thrown into prison. The same thing is found from Luke chapter 7 verse 20 all the way to the end. But there is something we need to realize is John the Baptist is in prison. And he heard what Jesus, and he heard Jesus is going about his work. But he's highly offended. Because for one, he is in prison. And so he's wondering, where is the one that should topple the nations? That should bring the equality and justice. That should be able to bring down the powers that be of Rome. He's already gone ahead and started cutting the tree and called out courageously Herod, basically for marrying Philip, his brother's wife. And his wife never forgot what this man did and wanted to make sure that she would get every opportunity to get his head off. And because of his daughters, Dan's Salome, Herod said, what can I give for you? The mother said, go ahead, ask him for his head. What an intervention of religion and politics together can cost people, people of God. We've seen this with ISIS. We've seen this right now in India with the RSS. Extremities all over. But I want you to understand those will not come as big front page news. When Christians are being killed. We do understand over the years histories of people being murdered and killed and that's so sad. But in the end of it, I wanted to know we get offended. Many people lose their faith. And I want to talk about this question. Are you offended by God? Keep it in mind when we all come out. We've gone through a very dark period. We've been in the lockdown. And the moment we come out, it is like an accident that happened the whiplash takes a few days, a few weeks, or maybe a few months. And then suddenly we say, oh my God, I feel that pain. That is long after what the incident has taken. It won't be long after that people will be talking about, where was God? And again, it would be God is dead. God is a figure of, a fragment of your imagination. And the blame game begins but it is always on God. So let me just begin by talking about the first point is lockdown. And by this I mean it is a virtual lockdown for John the Baptist. When you turn to this passage in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 2, it simply says, here he was in prison. And in prison he heard the works of Christ and sent two of his disciples. Was in prison. I talked about Loki Bar in the midst of the pandemic when we were right the cyclone, the epicenter of what would be the pandemic when it was taking the maximum number of life. You can go back and look into this and watch it. Loki Bar. But here is John the Baptist in prison. You can go into the passage of the Bible where men of God were imprisoned. 
You can read that in the beginning of a great ministry of a man. He had the prophecy, but in order for the prophecy to be manifested, Joseph was put in prison in Genesis chapter 39 and verse 20. Here is a man who was very powerful and strong, but he did not use it for the kingdom of God. And so you can find Samson in Judges chapter 16 and verse 21 in the prison. Makaha was a great prophet in the midst when the nation between Judah and Samaria came together. You know that wicked king did not want any prophets to speak to him, but yet King Joseph had wanted to, and Micah was asked. And Micah suddenly bluntly told the king of Israel what was going to happen. And what do you think was the reaction? In 1 Kings chapter 27 and verse 22, there he was locked up in the prison. I want you to understand the words of Jeremiah were very much an indictment to the kings of those days. And when you read Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 1, second time he's locked up. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time while he was shut up in the court of the prison. And what a wonderful words he says, but we're not into that passage. You see, my friend, things had to change in Jerusalem. This was where the big folks were, the big guns of the early church, all the prophets. And suddenly you find a shaking going on in Acts chapter 8, persecution. And then in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 5, Peter is locked up in prison while prayer was being made for him. And so for many of us here as well as across the world, has been a time of lockup. And I know a lot of people have lost loved ones. A lot of people have lost their fortune. A lot of people have lost their homes, though no fault of theirs. This thing just hit people. Even in a time when prophets of our land and across the land were prophesying in 2019, great things are going to happen. Somebody even said blessings is going to pour down. One of the prophets said he saw an angel saying, preach this, blessing. Blessing? Blessing, did he say? Yes, he said in the name of Jesus, like the prophets would tell us elections and who would be the leaders that comes out. If only Christians can stay out of this politics. But I want you to understand, instead of blessing, nobody predicted in our lifetime. I'm really a senior citizen. In all the years of my pilgrimage here on earth, I have never, ever seen such catastrophe the worst of the worst in my lifetime. I've heard my father, my grandfather before him talk about things that happened in their life. I thought that was ancient. I thought that was folklore. And if Jesus tarries, I'll be telling my great-grandchildren if I get the opportunity. Never forget 2020, 2021. It's the worst that we have seen. What I mean, my friend, when we come out of this, 
there will be a backlash. Now I want you to understand there will be presses running full time. Mass media now getting back again after this lockdown. And who do you think they will blame? God. As I said, even atheists will blame God. They call it the acts of God. Right off the bat, I want you to know it is not the acts of God. It is the act of man. An accident is an act of God. Tornado is an act of God. We have messed up the whole creation. We polluted it. And it's the acts of man. But coming to this point, what I want us to know is number two, what I would call the offense of our call. So many people may wonder what is going on. I had a special call from God. Or I had this particular job or particular house or particular situation in my life that was promised to me. What happened? When you look at John the Baptist, what a marvelous call. Even before he was born. I want you to know the most amazing thing that took place with the prophecies that come to Zechariah. And you can read that in Zechariah, Luke chapter 1. But we don't have time to go into it. Luke chapter 1, verse 68. He's going to be the salvation. And he's blessed be the Lord God of Israel who has visited and redeemed his people. Luke chapter 1, verse 74. Again, it's not only that, but he's going to redeem us and deliver us out of the end of our enemies. If you had that prophecy before you were born, blessed are you. But the virtual reality is, this man who should have brought redemption, this man who should have saved his people from the powers of the enemy, was locked up. And in Lokibar, in your lockdown, you wonder what happened. What is going on? You know, he's bold. Very bold. He was not living in a glass house. They say those who live in glass house should be careful in throwing stones. If the stone comes back to you, it'll hurt you more than you threw back. But the fact is, with John the Baptist, he was living in the jungles, in the wilderness. He didn't have fancy food, he didn't have fancy clothes. You throw a stone, he doesn't get it. He won't, no stokes will stick to him. But he was powerful. He could call people, you vipers, excuse me, that is politically not correct. You snakes, excuse me. No, no. No, no, it's not possible. But he was calling out names and Pharisees and so forth. Hard. But his message was strong. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 10. The axe is laid on the tree. Therefore, every tree that bringeth not fruit will be hewn down and cast into the fire. 
That simply says, this is what's going to happen. I saw with my own eyes the anointed. He's the one. I saw the Holy Spirit like a dove come upon him. I'm only a forerunner. Who are you? I'm the voice in the wilderness. But he who comes after me, and he talks about, behold, he that taken away the sins of the world. But he got confused in the historical event. And so he thought this entire thing is going to crumble. And he's already made a judgment call. The whole tree is going to come down. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 12 in the new version. It simply says he will come with a winnowing fork in his hand. The fan in his hand. But when Jesus came, he came with the home knife and the home fork. And the feasting fork. What's going on, Lord? You should be with the winnowing fork, trembling things down. But Jesus was seated with sinners, the publicans, and eating with them. The fork that John thought was the winnowing fork, in actuality, Jesus was using the table fork. That baffled him. How could it be? I'm offended. But I want you to understand this offense is not like the offense of Judas who became the spirit of offense. This offense in no way come near Judas or even Absalom. A spirit, evil spirit of offense to the point vengeance. Doesn't matter how much I'm going to pull down the anointed. No, this was an honest Offense. I don't understand. I've calculated two and two and I don't get four. I'm offended. How could it be? But I want you to understand it's an understanding of timing. Many a times when a prophecy goes, they want it now instant. It's like instant coffee. The timing is where many people get wrong. So you understand when John the Baptist is talking about the one that should come, who's going to uproot the whole tree that does not bear fruit, that's going to uproot the kingdom of darkness, it will. It certainly will, but not in John's time. In fact, Jesus began to talk about the events in the last day that would take place. And very clear, he talks about it in Matthew chapter 25. He talks about it in the Mount Olivet lectures, even in Luke chapter 24. He said, be careful, these are the things you should look for. And then he said, if this happens, this is what you should do. But he said, be prepared. He was talking about time much later. But then if you, as a Bible student, bring scriptures without understanding the hermeneutics or even understanding how and when it should come, there's confusion and you can be offended. 
Many a times I've seen godly people. A young man that was a worship leader many, many years ago during the early years, very powerfully used of God. He was with us a few weeks ago. There was a prophecy because he came back from Haiti. And he saw large numbers of crowd and he ministered and it was powerful. And someone spoke an anointed message that he would carry the worship. He came back and it was as usual. He was disgusted. But what I saw in my spirit was an anointing. Pastor Wright was the senior pastor then, but he was disgusted, this young man. And he said, I'm quitting the ministry. I don't see anything. And I sat down with him and said, brother, just understand this. It'll come to pass. Don't call it today or tomorrow. The timing is important. Just because God spoke to you doesn't mean he's going to do it today. He's preparing you for it. Don't run off and get discouraged. Wait for the preparation. It could be a wilderness. It could be a prison. He resigned and left. But when I did meet him, I happened to listen to the song that he wrote. And the lyrics, what a marvelous something from the psalm he wrote. Oh my God, I said, the prophecy is coming through. After many years, 25, 30 years, I want you to understand this, my friend. There is the offense of your call. Here is John the Baptist had a mighty call. And in proclamation, and in announcing it, the message was true and right. Whether it be from Matthew chapter 10, chapter 3, verse 10, Matthew chapter 3, verse 12, it was totally correct. John did what Noah was asked to do, to preach, and Noah went preaching that there's a flood coming. It did not come tomorrow. It did not come a year from now. It did not come two years from now. It did not come 10 years from now. 20 years from now, 30 years from now, but it did come. The long suffering of God, and yet only eight souls were saved. 120 years. Why? My friend, no one can say that they did not hear the warning. So I want you to understand not only the offense of the call but also the offense of the ministry. Called to be a forerunner. Called to be the one that is called the voice in the wilderness. And if you're a powerful voice, you have a triumphant voice. And when you are people that otherwise would never come, coming down and falling down and being baptized, Stiff-necked, he called them. Hard people, he called them. But there they were baptizing. So he expected one that would come would be powerful voice. A voice of condemnation. And yet Jesus is telling the woman, I don't condemn you too. Go, do not sin. That's a soft voice. 
that's not the voice of one that should be thundering fire. That is what the sons of Zebedee thought. Send fire, Lord, to the Samaritans who refuse to heed your call. And here is Jesus making a beehive right into Samaria when he could have taken the long way like all other religious people do. And sitting of all people with a Samaritan. Talking of all people to a woman. Talking to all people that to a loose woman. Excuse me, I thought you would send her three flows into hell into the abyss of hell. The voice of him, one crying in the wilderness. And Jesus said, come. Ye who are weary, come. And I will give you rest. What? 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 I'm listening to all this while I'm in prison. What? Number four, not only a lockdown, not only number two, what would be the call and the offense of the call? Number three, the offense of your ministry is ministry was shut down. Here's a man that's born free in the wilderness. No one could stop him. He preached in the wilderness. He preached in the shows of Galilee. He went all over. Crowds followed him. And he's locked away in prison. A man that is like a bird flying free is locked up in a little prison, cuts his feathers, he just cannot live. There's a sense in which it is feeble, number four. When you're in lockdown, you're browbeaten, physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, and in every way. When you come out, it's almost like coming out of a genocide jungle. You just got what you have, and that's about all in the midst of losses of lives in the family. Losses of finance, losses of jobs, losses of whatever education where children could have gone up. They messed up and messed up a lot. Though no fault of theirs. And this is a feeble voice. I want you to listen to the cry of the psalmist. In Psalm 38 and verse 8, he calls about, I'm feeble and of a broken heart. That is pathetic. He says, I've rode by reason of the disquietness of my heart. I'm feeble. Bend, broken. Psalm 42 and verse 5. Look at the cry of the psalmist. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope, keep hoping in the Lord. 
Psalm 42 and verse 11 again says the same. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in the Lord, for yet I will praise him who is the health of my countenance, my God. I'm going to praise you even though I don't understand. The prophet Habakkuk looked out and couldn't see what God was showing. You see, people say, you know, they have a big, huge kingdom named after them. They got to get the biggest airplane. They got to get the biggest building, the biggest mansion. They never prophesy anything but rosy pictures. You're going to be a millionaire? I'm going to make you a billionaire. The person died two years later because he couldn't get to be a billionaire, so he had a heart attack. He was just fine being a millionaire. You, I'm going to make you a king. Oh, you are a king, then I'm going to make you an emperor. You are a pastor, I'm going to make you a pope. Why are you talking this nonsense? Because you get money. You know how to butter your bread. Money, money is coming in sweet sweet nothing speak sweet nothing it doesn't cost you they don't go through the bible because it's pain they don't labor in the word because it's pain but they become prophets it's easy come easy go but i want you to understand when it comes to words that were spoken the prophets spoke and there was tough they spoke things that would happen. No one wanted to hear that. So here is the psalmist saying, I'm feeble. I'm tired. I can't do it anymore. That has been the cry of all the true men and women of God. Because they never got their collades. They never were accepted in the society. They were called the madmen, the French guys. Because they spoke the truth. And I want you to understand this man was not only feeble in the prison now, once who was free spirits, pre-life, roamed around with no fetters, now fettered and in prison. That is a lockdown for many of us. We've lost our voices. Now we don't know what is the voice of God or the voice of mammon. We don't know what's the voice of the Bible and the voice of politics. Christians are catching up a phrase word, politics. And politicians are using religious words. What is wrong with this world? I want you to understand this man is tired. He's feeble. You know, there's a passage in Ecclesiastic chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. If two, they are strength to one another. Two is better than one because they have a good reward for the labor. Verse 5 goes, if one, 10 verse goes to say, if, if they fall, the other will lift him up. They will give warmth to each other. And the enemy has taken this man and put him in a lockdown. There's no one to refresh him. There's no one to speak to him. So you can understand the situation. What a tragic situation to be in. So here's a free-spirited man, full of the Holy Spirit, contained, limited, and that is sadly 
very difficult, a scandal, and obscene. And so here is this man, he's wounded in and out, and he's saying, what's going on? You know, when you go to the fifth point, he's having doubt. He's even asking himself, what happened here? I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. But where is he? Why hasn't he shown up? Why hasn't he fulfilled the words that I have proclaimed? And that's sad. Of course, the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, talking about how he would break the citadels of the prisons and set the captives free. John knows what it means. Translated, he will break my prison door. I've been waiting. Number day one, day two, day three, day four. Where is he? He will come. One week, two weeks. Three months, four months. Five months, one year. Where is he? I'm getting angry now. I'm becoming offended now. I'm offended. Two of his disciples come and talk about Jesus. He said, go to him. I have a message for him. Are we to look for the one? No, no, not just anyone, the one. The one and the only, I know you are. Oh, was it a delusion? Was it a delusion? Or is there anyone, just about anyone, when people don't know the truth and feel the absence of the truth, they will exchange the truth for any lie. Anyone, even an antichrist will do. Just anybody to lead us, even if it means he's going to make a broad road to hell. It doesn't matter. I'm so fed up. I just will take anybody in. Is he the one? The one, not one of the one, but the one. Or do we look for another? Just about anybody will do now. Someone that will burst this prison and set me free. Number six, it's a sad situation when you come and it's a question. And I want you to understand it's not a question that is sinful and this man made no sin. I will talk about this next week, God willing, in how to go to God. Very important. John was locked up, he couldn't go to prison. But had he been not locked up, he would have done the scriptural thing, would have gone to Jesus directly. What I'm going to say is never forget this. It is a protocol that is very important. Never forget this. Never, never forget this. You are upset, or you are upset with God, you're offended. You won't go to hell unless you have the spirit of offense. That is because you made yourself available 
for a powerful, complete capture of your body, mind, and spirit by the evil one. We all have been offended, but we're not having the spirit of offense. Everybody has a question. I'm going to say this, my friend. Matthew chapter 11, verse 6, are you the one, the only one? Or should we look for another? Luke chapter 7, verse 23, are you the one, the only one? Or should we look for another? Questions, questions, questions. Who has not asked these questions to God? Everyone. Look at Job, questions after questions after questions, until one day, in verse 38, 39, 40, God said, I have a question for you. Boom, 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 boom. Job just went down. He said, I humble myself. Oh, my God, what a stupid man I was. I abased myself. God loved David. Look at the Psalms. Questions, questions. God, where are you? I'm swimming in my tears. And where are you? Where? God loved David because David was very clear. But then why was he angry with the children of Israel? Because bam, 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 to others. Did you hear this? We're fed up with God. Never, 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 never do that. Never, ever talk behind. That is murmur. That is grumbling. And God has no time for that. God has no time for murmuring and murmuring and grumbling. That is the destruction of societies and families and nations. Churches. God had no patience for that. What you find, he's locked up and he goes directly, sends his two men to Jesus. The question is direct to Jesus. I want an answer, Lord. Ask him. I'm not telling you guys. Go and communicate to him. If John could be set out of prison, he would have an appointment with Jesus and say, Jesus, I really have real hard time. I'm offended. Tell me what's going on. The spirit of offense is blabbering, gossiping. And I want you to understand two biggest difference. Never forget this, my friend. David was offended. Job was offended. Peter was offended. Moses was offended. Moses went up on a mountain. And he said to God, Lord, I'm just about at it. And God replied. Even as he replied to Abraham, friend to friend, excuse me, that is a relationship. Do you know many, many homes and marriages have been broken? All because of offense. Because somebody or the other was offended. Whatever allegiance, alliances, wherever you go to remember this, offense will come. But don't let it be turned into the spirit of offense. David did not. John the Baptist did not. And so I want you to understand, on the contrary, Jesus turns around after they have left the two, 
said, have you seen someone like this man? There's no one more greater than John the Baptist. Excuse me, he just was offended, he said. You have no idea about this man. No one like him. No one like him. Excuse me, he just told you he was offended. You have no idea. He's the voice that had lifted me up. He's the voice preparing for me. I'm not offended. He came to me. This is incredible when you think about it. But then, number seven, when you're locked up, when you've got problems, when you have so much on your mind, on your heart, in so many ways in a lockdown, you come further away if you're not careful from Jesus. John chapter 4 says Jesus was in Judea and he moved on to Galilee because John, he didn't want to make a division between John's disciples and and his disciples. But in this furtherance, for some reason, John never got to really be close to Jesus. There was no cell phone, there was no email, you had to send it through an errand boy or whatever. But somehow there was not much of a, a closeness, even though they, he regarded Jesus very highly. But when you realize when you are far away from someone in lockdown, you are shut up with your own imagination. It's always good to communicate. Whatever you do, don't try to communicate to a third person because the third person will add masala and everything else into it. And by the time you got it, you are furious. What happened, he added many years ago. When I was basically associating with Pastor Wright, and people would come to me and say, you got to hear this out. I said, what do I have to hear about? No, no, I'm very offended. I said, listen to me very carefully. I'm going to tell you right away. You tell me something, I will, I'm from India. I had masala, I had hot pepper, I had this. By the time he gets, he's going to get hot. Don't you think it's better you go to him? Direct? No, 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 I have to come to you. I said, no way, no way. Go to him directly. Because he's going to hear worse things from you. And so it's better you go. Get it cleared before it becomes the spirit of offense. Whatever happens in life, yes, you can get offended with God. And I'm going to talk about people in the Bible that were offended with And yet they were the best. And Jesus reached out and complimented. God complimented Abraham. God complimented Moses. God complimented these precious people. What is it? It was not the spirit of offense. There were people that questioned you can read the private diary of David. He's asking questions. And yet God says, he's a man after my own heart. David never called you up and told you why he was offended. He talked to God. He didn't need your or my advice. You understand? He talked to God. God, I'm really angry with you. What's wrong here? Me and you, we had great fellowship. Now this is problem, and I thought you were going to pay my bill. What happened? I mean, I had $10, now I don't even have that $10 after I prayed to you. What's, what's wrong here? I mean, I know you are powerful, but where is the power? I know you are the all-supplying God, but where's the supply? I know you are the God of presence. Where is the provision, God? What's wrong? I never forgot a movie called The Apostle. 
In this, this man locks up himself in his mother's room upstairs. And the next day, the neighbor is asking his mother, what happened? There was a big conflict. You had a problem with your son? He said, no, that's my son fighting out with God. A wonderful movie. I loved it. But that is the story of Jacob. That is the story of David. They took it out with God. And God spoke to them. God loved them. But I want you to understand the questions were never, ever a form of you are responsible. You're the cause. Only question. Job, the Bible says, with all these questions, he dare not make an accusation against God. God, you are great, but what happened? I'm not making an accusation, saying you are the cause of this. You, you took away my children. You took away my business. I don't understand this, Lord. And I want you to understand a very powerful protocol. Even Michael make, dare not make a rallying accusation against, excuse me, even Satan. But coming to the point, number seven, a distance. For some reason, because of that, John was in the prison, never really got to communicate as he should have. Number eight was very, very difficult for John because John is the one who is a political activist. What I mean is he just got into politics. Herod went in and married his brother Philip's wife. John Keep quiet. Keep quiet. John got up and said, who the heck are you? Herod, you're going to hell. You should never have stay in your lane. Don't get involved. The man called out on a moral issue. And you know what? Herod's wife, which was Philip's wife, Salome never forgave. You hurt a woman, you had it. She kept it, and she literally made sure John the Baptist paid for it. Now, I want you to understand, Jesus could have spoken. He doesn't say. Not one word, favor or against Caesar. Excuse me, show me one word. All of these great men and great rascals lived during the time of Jesus. Nor Paul in the time of Nero. Yes, he said about Herod the fox, but that was his name anyway. He was a fox. But I want you to realize, here he is. John the Baptist is so upset. He's so upset because by now Jesus may have created a mob Lot of, a lot of people now got the landslide victory, and now he's going to be the political, religious deliverer. Any day now, Jesus is going to burst up in the prison, and he's going to rescue old buddy John the Baptist. Didn't happen. Go to him and ask him, are you the one, the only one, 
or should we look for another? Then he hears Jesus talking about his kingdom. Much later, Jesus amplified this. When he stood before Pilate, very clear cut. And I wish churches could hear the message of Jesus. It has nothing to do with Democrats or Republicans or Independents. If you have to speak up for a cause, speak up without getting involved. Speak up for those that are being persecuted. Speak up for issues that are important that can send people to hell. Speak up for issues where a matter of life and death. Otherwise, don't speak. What is Jesus saying before Pilate? He could have just said, you know what, Pilate? We're actually from the same party. Republican, I'm Republican. Democrat, I'm also a Democrat. Independent, that's me. I'm independent. Jesus stands before Pilate. In John chapter 18 and verse 36, and he defines the kingdom. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, then would my servants, angels, in a split second, split up the entire earth with the entire universe, just like that. It would be in flame. They would fight. But I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not about yours. Yours is a political empire. You belong to the Caesar. I am king of my kingdom. Let there be no conflict. You might think you win today, but the ultimately you will have to stand before me like every man and woman. This kingdom is not of this world, but we should make a difference. We should make a difference in this world. But I don't want to get aligned politically with anything. My friend, I believe in democratic principles, equality, justice, and then they go bananas over abortion and life and marriage to anybody and anything, and they keep falling down. Republicans say they are conservatives in their religious value, and they go bonkers when it comes to equality and, and racism and voting for the rich. Let me tell you right up front, both are sinful. But I have to one day or the other vote like I do with regard to going down to the McDonald's, this one here and this one here and this one here. Not the whole lump because the whole thing can be corrupt. But this here and that person here, and that, that's the best I could do personally. But the end I realize that it doesn't matter who I vote for, it's not nirvana, it's not salvation. My deliverance comes from God, and one day when he comes, he will bring justice and equality. But shouldn't we fight for justice and equality? We should. But our hope ultimately to stand up and stand out for Jesus any day, any time, and speak the truth. There should be equality but there should be morality as well. And we should stand up right, fair, and square and not speak for a party or a nation, but speak for God. Amen. Facebook, I see a whole lot of people. I stand with Israel. I stand for Israel. 
my friend, I'm an American. Not America right or wrong, I stand for America. If it is right, I will not stand up and say America is right if it is wrong. If Israel, this nation is wrong, it is wrong. Be blunt. Oh, but you don't understand, bless, bless what? I am a child of Abraham. I didn't see you blessing me the other day. You mean to say you are a son of Abraham? Yes, the real son, the spiritual son through Jesus. At this time, there's no nation. Like, for example, we were thought to believe the Roman Catholic Church was holy. Who looks to Rome? Or who looks to England? Or who looks to Varani? Or who looks to Mecca? I want you to know we are all sinners. At best, there are good things. At worst, there are worse things. But in the end, I wanted to understand. John the Baptist was wondering why Jesus is not a political activist. He could have come right now. I have made the way for him. He should be the king. You see, Jesus, as he came that Palm Sunday, there were people who said, Hosanna, Hosanna, oh, Hosanna. And Jesus just took off and hid himself. Excuse me? Because a week later, the same people were saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, because they wanted a king according to their desire, not the king according to who Jesus is. You should give the Lord a clap offering at this point. And I say this because the cause of Jesus is greater than the cause of this world. But should I not stand up for principles? We should, as good Democrats and good Republicans and good Americans. But in the end, after saying all of that, we must stand up for cause of Jesus and for Jesus and for the kingdom. My friend, I want you to understand when it came to, are you the one? I mean, are you the Republican I'm looking for? Are you the Democrat I'm looking for? Are you the socialist I'm looking for? Are you the capitalist I'm looking for? Are you the communist I'm looking for? Are you a fighter for my class, my color, my culture? Jesus says, no. I run my own kingdom. It comprises of Nicodemus, rich man, and it comprises of Bartimaeus, a poor man. It comprises of Apollos and Cephas and Paul, Greek and Jews, black and white. I want you to understand the big difference. When you come to this man in prison, he's shut up, he's crying. He's waiting, he's hoping, and his prayers are not answered. He's been praying, and I will talk about, actually his prayers were rightly answered. There was a prayer he made that he might increase and I would decrease. John, God heard your prayer. You are decreasing, and the more you decrease, the more you are little. Oh, no. The preachers of today, the more I increase, the more Jesus increases. No, 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 no. Let people see Christ in you, that you would be less, and Christ should be more. John the Baptist's prayer, the most amazing prayer, was being answered. 
It is not about John the Baptist. We are only a voice crying in the wilderness. It is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Father, I pray this morning, giving no offense to anybody, but giving all credit to Jesus, we will look up to you. Times will come, time will go. And when we come out of the lockdown, never let it be said, you are to be blamed. You're with us in the mountains. You are with us in the valley. Not on a mountain, but in the valley, I found my Lord. Not on a mountain, but in a valley. In a lockdown, I found my Lord.